Hello, and welcome back to the Friends of Dorothy, Emmy, Oscar, and Tony, your channel for all things theater, tale, film, and television. My name's Alex. And I'm Cole. And Merry Christmas! Happy holidays. It is um no longer Christmas, but no, it's still holidays, though. We are recording. Until New Year's. Until New Year's. It is holiday week, even though I am back at work all week, and we don't get to just party, have a good time. But here we are. And... It's the day after Christmas, and we're here in big part because we saw two big movies over the holiday weekend, including Yesterday and Christmas Day, yes. and we're excited to talk about them. So yes. today, we are going to be chatting about Rustin, Maestro, and The Color Purple, and then we'll close up by talking a little bit about the Oscar shortlist that came out last week. Um, oh, so, yeah. the theme. People are probably like, why Rustin? Why right now? That movie came out like a month and a half ago? Yes, um, a couple reasons. A, this is kind of a discussion on three films that have at least some sort of impact on queer culture. Oh, in some yeah. regard, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the films are ne negotiable, but all three were queer. Yeah. Representation. Queer coded, at the very least. And then um, we've got Coleman Domingo in a double feature this year, starring in Rustin and also in The Color Purple. So. Great way to combine some things and talk about it. So let's start out with Rustin. Um, <coughs> Rustin, biopic story about Bayard Rustin, who was a gay civil rights activist back during uh, the civil rights movement. Mm. He basically organized the March on Washington, was um, just a huge historical figure that is often not talked about. And He's not talked about. Yeah, not talked about, period. So great time to have the film come out. Um, so before we go too deep, Zero to a hundred thoughts on it. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the wall. Okay, hold on. Give me like a second. Got you. Okay. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. 72. 66. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, the same range. 66. Yeah. Um, The movie was fine. It It's funny that it was produced by the Obamas because like it just feels like something that would be pre-produced by the Obamas. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Like it's... It feels like a, a a film you could definitely just watch in history class. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. You know? Yeah, you're right. Like, it feels like a true history lesson more than, like, a cinematic piece of art. Which takes away my biggest gripe with it. Which was? Which was. And which is also my gripe with Maestro is the, the depiction of queer culture in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, especially when it came to him cruising, that whole situation, like, there is such a depth to that there's a reason why that happens and i feel like it didn't touch on on it which but it, but it still is part of his character but if the obamas are behind it it makes sense to be made for an educational purpose yeah more than like a gritty raw you know what i mean depiction yeah. of somebody's life so. no 100 percent um it felt like just a, it felt like a very basic biopic I think basic. if That's anything, basic. if anything, I respect that like they kept it sort of textbook rather than trying to make it something different. Uh, you know what I think of? I think of Harriet and how they like tried to make artistic moments in Harriet that just didn't work, like with the dreams and the visions. Right, and everything. it was not needed. Like, that 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 bitch ran back and forth for days. Like, yeah, we didn't need extra. Like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so they didn't try to do any tricks in Rustin, and so I appreciated that they really just let the cast sort of exist and tell the story. Um, Which is where the, where that's where the strength lied, was the, the acting. Yeah, totally. Um, 
I mean, this movie was a high priority for me just because it was like up on people's early predictions list last year. People are like, most people had Coleman Domingo winning the best actor Oscar this year when news was out about this movie. That blows my mind. Or like, how is that even a thing? Like, oh, I haven't seen this movie remotely. He's going to win the award. It's because it's the idea of like a very well respected performer playing a part that like couldn't be more suited for them. Like this queer black actor playing a queer civil rights activist. It just like it it lines up to potentially be something spectacular. Okay. All right. If but and then you know that's the fun of it is finding out if the material was good enough for it or not. And I think unfortunately in this case it's not. Yeah. Where. It's great. It is a good movie. It is a good movie. It's fallen completely out of any type of Oscar contending except for acting. An original song. Just because Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz oh, wrote to yeah, Freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so when it when it comes to any type of award game, you know, I don't see it up there for any type of cinematography. Because I'm not it wasn't bad. It was it it, it was basic, but not in a bad way. It was just it was Your fine. basic biopic. Everything was lit great. Yeah. The frames fit everybody. There was no major artistic choices that happened, but I didn't need it. No, and, like, what I respect about this movie is that they didn't make any, like, offensive or very cringy choices, which would have just, like, kind of besmeached the whole purpose of the movie. Yeah. Like, come on, like, we finally get, like, a, a queer activist story and, like... You decided to make these weird-ass choices that just fucks it up completely. Yeah. You know? So I respect them. They played it safe. I think that's the overall yeah. thing. They played it very safe, and I think in that regard, it paid off very well. Yeah. And, um, and, but of course, just like as, in, you know, when we, we talk about representation and media, you know, the queer representation in that movie, I remember that one moment when he was cruising at night. Not There was not an ounce of dialogue. There was not an explanation about it. And as queer people... Who might have cruised once or twice in our life? Mm. Um, so, um, suppose, supposedly, supposedly, yeah. supposedly. Who, who knows? There's no allegedly, There's allegedly. No, know what it's like. We know the culture. It, it, it's, it happens for a reason in the queer community. And mm. watching it, we knew what was happening, and our we were holding our breath and we were uncomfortable. And then it was that moment where I think, and I think about this a lot when I'm watching a movie and I'm experiencing it. I immediately think, how's the, how's a general population going to see this? That think about people that don't know what cruising is, yeah, and and why people do it, and they're gonna see that scene and just not know what's happening. Yeah, I just have no idea because they just had two white men, and remember, this is the time where like racial tensions were really high. Come out of the dark, I was like, this could be read completely wrong. Yeah, and so I, I thought that was at that was a problem with the vision and direction of it, and I think it's an important part of his character, but as, but like as we said, like it wasn't what this movie was made for. So it yeah. did what it was supposed to do, but as a queer person, I was a little like... I think, like, honestly, they could have just done without that scene because I think they did a good yeah. job of, like, showing his relationships and, like, showing that he was kind of a slut. Pig. Well, they, they um, talked about it in the woods. They talked about what he was doing in the woods with that guy. Oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah. true. Yeah, so yeah. they did cover it, kind of, but that was that was lazy and not thought out directing. In like writing, in my opinion, mm -hmm. so there's there's no disregard to the acting that happened. It was like and like it goes back to what we said. I think acting is probably the only awards other than song. Yes. Um. Sorry, I'm just looking up one thing because okay. Um. It's funny because it's directed by George C. Wolf, who's a renowned Broadway director. He's done a shit ton of stuff. Um. And it was interesting because this did feel like um. A stage production in many mm -hmm. regards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, but yeah, overall, definitely watch it because it's a it's just a great lesson on a big chunk of history that just isn't talked about. Isn't talked really because we're taught and and. I don't know about anybody else, of course, at all. Literally, there's kid learning some wild-ass shit in schools. Um, you really taught that Martin Luther King spearheaded a lot Just did, just did, did it. almost yeah. all. I, like, I had no idea about him. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and Bayard Rustin full-on planned and executed the entire yeah. March of Washington. Like, yeah, so, like, that was that was a shock to me as an American that also makes you just question, like... Yeah, 100%. The education so, system. <laughs> definitely watch it. Um... I'm worried about Coleman Domingo's standings just because of how much is how packed Best Actor is right now yeah, yeah. in a lot of regards. Yeah. He's gotten in everywhere. He's gotten in the Globes, Critics' Choice. Um, I think SAG will have his back. We'll have to see if he can just get in that top five. So mm -hmm. who knows? All right. All right. Next, um, Maestro. Spell that. It's M. M. Q. V. Third. 13? I can't spell. How do you spell yeah, that? M-A-E-M-A-E-R-O. Yeah. Maestro. Maestro. Bradley Cooper's epic telling of the life of composer-conductor Leonard Bernstein and his wife, Felicia. Okay, before we get too deep. Zero out of a hundred. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. 41. Yeah. That wasn't... Yeah. We had... We had a... Healthy argument. We talked afterwards. for like two. We talked. We watched this on Saturday. Yeah, and I think we talked for like a solid two hours about it. Got heated for a little it bit. Did. Yeah, I really did. Um, Tell us what it's about. Though. Okay, so Maestro. Like I said, it's the it's a look at uh, composer conductor Leonard Bernstein's life from basically his entire life from the age of twenty five up until his old age in his seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his wife, Felicia, as well. It covers their the first time that they meet and their love story and their complicated history um, as it relates to Leonard Bernstein's queerness as well. So, do you have a letterbox review you'd like to read? Actually, yeah, 100%. It's not mine. Oh, I could read mine. Oh, that'd be cool. If we start reading our letterbox reviews, yeah. Can I read mine then? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, <laughs> all right. I'll read my review, and then we'll go, and then we'll dive into it. So okay. that's a new thing. We just implemented that. Now we're in a letterbox, all of our movies. Yeah. Read our reviews and then talk about them. That's a good idea. Go ahead. Fuck yeah. Okay. But it's somebody else's review that made a lot of sense to me. But, oh God, I also have ADD and dyslexia, so I'm going to read this and find a lot of errors in it, so you're just going to bear with me <laughs> and not judge me, okay? We got you. So this movie, this is a great movie, but it's not the movie I wanted. To give us a queer character completely... Blow past the complexities of those queer relationships to only focus on the one with his wife who knew and allowed him to have relationships is an awful choice. And I said, and this film could have used a queer voice, this, this film could have used a queer voice in the writing room and as a director. And, a, and we need a director that didn't see the world through a straight love lens because queer love and straight love are not equal in this world. Now, that being said, Carrie Mulligan was astounding in this film. I was hanging off every word and face she made in it. And Bradley, once he fell into character, I was very impressed. Lighting and score were insane. Loved every bit of that. I just wanted a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which makes sense. But you start going into yours, because I want to find that one. Yeah, I know that, like, and it's interesting, because we, we went into this with different lenses, because I had a 
love and appreciation for Leonard Bernstein you know, as they, an artist. Yeah. And you had, like, we basically started this, and you're like, who the fuck is this about? Um, I didn't know. I, I've never and heard as it went person. on, you started to figure out that, like, he's been he's been a creator of things that you are aware of. Yeah. Um, but, so I've, you know, this movie's been on my radar for a long time, and just the aspect of, I think everybody's been anxiously anticipating, like, what Bradley Cooper was going to do with this, given that he's been working on it for six years, and he was producer, writer, director, and star of this movie. Yeah. Um, so just the idea of wearing all those hats, sort of his follow-up to A Star is Born, um, you know, what was his sophomore film creation going to look like? Yeah, I'll leave, I'm going to leave this one for, I'll leave it for the end. Okay. Um, so I really, I think I expected this to be, just from the, because the trailers were very, 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 I think, deceiving. Which I don't watch trailers. Yeah. So, and which I, I recommend to everybody, by the way. I think really the only ones I saw were the first time that they do the back-to-back -back talking in the park. That was like the big trailer that they were showing was that long dialogue scene between them. And I was like, is this really, is this going to be like just a lot of two people talking to each other the whole time? And it, since it kind of was, but it also wasn't, like, there was a lot of artistry that went into it that I really appreciated, and a lot of, like, creative editing and cinematography that made it interesting, yeah. where it wasn't just two people talking to each other the entire time. The storyline was music, and then the relationship he had with his wife. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what the story was. Yeah. And, uh, me go, I, myself, going into it and knowing about the Oscar bait films and what's coming out, yeah. and knowing the bare minimum, I knew it was a biopic. It was... I saw Bradley's interview with Emma Stone, and mm -hmm. he, the way he talked about it, I was like, he's going to dive into every aspect of this man. You could tell that he had an admiration for this person, so I expect it to be a full deep dive of, what's his name? Leonard. Leonard, yeah, which it was not, and it was not, it was a very, it was a scratch the surface, but it also gave us probably one of the best performances of the acting noms with Carrie. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much that blew me away, like going through different aspects of it. So like editing wise, when we talked about it, I had said how there's a scene where after Felicia and Leonard first sort of meet, um, she takes him to the theater where she's a, a, a an understudy for a Broadway lead in a play and they're like running lines together and there's a moment where she's like doing her monologue and then it kind of shows her walking and then it quickly transitions to her like taking her bow after finally debuting in the role mm -hmm. and that was just like a really cool moment yeah. and then it's like so she's taking her bow she bows it goes to the audience pans around and then as she stands up it's Bradley taking his bow and smiling or Leonard doing that um yeah. From, like, the next performance that he's conducted. So I thought that was really cool. Um, the... There were, like, dream ballet sequences kind of throughout the movie. Which is interesting, because this will kind of tag, tie into the color purple a little bit, too. Um, and, like, so the number they did with, like, the On the Town dancer boys, the sailor boys. I thought that was, like, beautifully shot. Um, the cathedral scene I thought was beautifully shot. It, uh, technically, it's one of the strongest it really is and i mean like and the black and it's we talked about too like how they it feels like they're they're 
shooting film within the era that like they're existing in the timeline so like the early bits truly felt like 40s and 50s style movie making going into like 70s style then going like in a more modern 80s style um which is just really really fascinating to see how just aside from the color tone going from black and white to color that like affected the sound it affected the angles like it affected everything yeah, um, it, it's definitely going to be one of the movies to watch for technical because I was astounded by the cinematography and the editing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many, there's so many scenes that like post watching the movie. I, if I think about the movie, I think about like a couple of the one of them, and it it it's uh, a movie based in realism essentially. So mm-hmm. it, so poor things, which is like a fantastical story. Of course, it's going to have insane imagery for you to give me. A biopic and give me that level of yes. imagery is pretty. Yep. It's is is, is pretty dope. So I, I will tip my hat to that in particular. And then going into the performances, well, it's interesting how you say that because it, it, I didn't even realize this connection too. It's like we're talking about sort of the opposite of what Rustin was, where Rustin played it very safe. Maestro took a lot of risks. Yeah. In how it told the story. Um, I was trying to... Th- oh, I, well, I just want to touch on direction a little bit because you you brought up a good point where actors turned directors are so ambitious and oftentimes don't know how to, like, um, pare down. Like, it's like yeah. it's like the re- remove the one accessory before you leave home rule. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't know how to do that with their films it's, sometimes. I have all of these ideas and they, I don't think they stop to think if it works cohesively. And yes. they, they did not work. And there's the one in particular... That threw me the fuck off, and I still think about it. I thought about it today. Talk about it. Was when he fit. It's probably he, was it. He finishes his way. He finishes his mass. Yeah, Einstein's mass. And he's excited, and he shows up. And at this point, spoilers, by the way, he has a boy toy or somebody. And I'm saying boy toy because that's what they presented to us. Yeah, they did not go into their yeah. love story. Boy toy, the kids, wife, everybody in the country home. Um, you know, everybody's been walking on the eggshells around him while he finished it. Finished it, it's a celebration, and Carrie Mulligan's character gets jumps out of a window, not literally to the ground, but steps, no, we like cr- crawls out of a window, out of a yeah, window yeah. jumps into the pool, and in that moment, I was like, she's relieved, and all the kids get up and mm-hmm. run, and I'm like, they're all going to jump in and dance and like have a blast, and then it cuts to her just underwater, just sitting there, and it didn't make sense because it didn't feel like a dream sequence, but also just didn't feel natural. And then what it felt like was an image that like Bradley was like, oh, I have this idea where he finishes his major music moment mm-hmm. and she dives into the pool and sits. And like, I, like why? I wish somebody would have checked that and been like, well, what exactly why? What do we need after that? And yeah, yeah it didn't happen. So yeah. yeah so it's, it's actors kept throwing that net wide and bringing it in. But with, with that being said, that's, uh, I think that's what actors should do when they're acting. Because directors writing that in. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That didn't work. Let's try this. So when an actor is a director, they have the they have the tenacity to throw the net wide, but do they have the filter to rein it in? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what directors do over actors. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And yeah, I do. I do agree that I, if anything, there probably is and was nobody to check Bradley in any way, shape, or form. Well, yeah, he didn't let people sit. Right, yeah, the fucking, uh, if you haven't heard, he literally talks about how he doesn't allow chairs on his set and says that Apple boxes are perfectly acceptable, um, mechanisms to be seated on. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So, okay, but direction-wise, the uh, things I want to, uh, just a couple things I want to talk about that I think really worked, 
Yeah, because I'm going to go into some negatives. Are... Definitely. Didn't you already? Oh, well, like... You mentioned this, the oh, well, queer... You're, well, you're... Films, yeah. I think... You're, that's probably gonna be the biggest screenplay thing, most likely. Like that's probably mostly screenplay. Oh, like writing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but like with direction, a moment, probably one of my favorite scenes in the film is after, um, it's when Leonard does his one conducting gig. I forget what it's for, and. Or is it... No, it's the presentation of his mask. Because it's when him and Felicia and his boyfriend are sitting there. And then everyone's, like, applauding him, congratulating him after Felicia leaves. And then it's when the first time they held hands. Fir- yes, yeah. and it's the first time we see Felicia, like, not stand by his side. As he's being, like, lauded with all these accolades, basically. Yeah. And then she leaves in a fit of frustration. He goes on a party bender. And then he shows up, like detoxing to thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and they have this big um argument in the study room and it's like the dichotomy of the fact because then like as he walks as he walks into the apartment he like picks up a stuffed snoopy he's like who's dropped their snoopy yeah (laughs) and then like during the argument you know it's thanksgiving the parade's happening they live in manhattan and like you literally see the snoopy float of that year like go by the window and it's such an interesting dichotomy where it's like there's all these people celebrating like this happy holiday out in the streets and like having no idea what's going on behind closed walls like right there yeah um and so things like that i just thought were really really good directing choices um and overall too i like the way that all of their a their chemistry carrie and bradley was just ridiculous um yeah and I liked that all of their scenes together felt like play scenes and that like they were just given so much room to breathe and exist um, mm-hmm. and they weren't rushed. They weren't really, ed- they weren't edited. I think Bradley even talks about that, like where there was, th- this film was basically not edited in the sense that there was nothing cut. Yeah. Like the transitions were there, but like all their stuff together, it's well, one shot. And like you said, it's either zoomed in or zoomed out very slowly. And I wonder if that's the bonus bar could also be the detriment of having the actor, the director being an actor in it mm-hmm. because does, and I don't know this, does somebody else call cut if need be, or does he break character to cut? If that's the case that he can allow the scene to move and flow. I think he, well, he calls it, I think. And he also, which makes sense because if it wasn't working, he would just cut. So he allowed stuff to just flow and the yeah. chemistry was so magnet. Yep. Yeah. And he also talks about how he directed as Leonard Bernstein. Like, he's, he had to direct as him. Otherwise, like, it was too... For him, it was too difficult to transition in and out Don't, of character. Like, I, like, we're, I, not, we're not I getting know, into Method X. But, um... So, yeah. There was a lo- there were a lot of choices he made that I really appreciated and I thought worked yeah. out well. Um, Which is why... It, it's why it's a 40 for me. Because it is a movie that is breathtaking. And it, it deserves accolade. I just think it... Missed a lot of marks. Yeah. Um. Perform. Yeah. And just real quick, performances. Both of them astounding. Carrie Mulligan definitely well, steals it for me. It's yeah. Carrie. Um. Carried it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. I thought Bradley did great in some parts, and especially you know when they show the footage of Leonard conducting at the end, like you can definitely see he really studied and cared about portraying this man in an accurate way. Yeah. I said after seeing it was that it, I, I felt as if I didn't I didn't believe. Leonard was there until we got a little bit older. Yes. 
So like the first seeing him, it, it, it felt very cheesy and like gimmicky. But then as I think it's like right after he has a talk with his daughter, mm -hmm. I was sold. I was like, oh, okay, I see it. I fully see him leaning into this character. Yeah. Where like Carrie, like she was disappeared from the first moment. From the jump. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go into screenplay. You go first. I I want you to go. <laughs> no, no, no. You go first. I mean, because like I don't I don't have that many because I think all my appreciations come from everything but the screenplay because like I don't think I have that many things to praise about the screenplay okay all right so, so this is a biopic yes or no yeah supposed to be the emphasis on his marriage with essentially making you know carrie mulligan's character an equal part in this movie was a choice right mm -hmm. but as we all know humans are so complex there's so many facets of us there, there are parts that you don't know about me and I don't know about you, right? When you focus so heavily on that relationship, a lot of the others fall to the wayside or diluted in some way. I want to see him be dad just a little bit more. I want to see him be a conductor just a little bit more. We really only saw him conduct, I think, once. A real, like, a real performance. Mm -hmm. So now, with that being said, we'll get into the queer representation. He was obviously a queer man in the movie, Spoilers, of course. He makes advances towards men, um, and there's eventually a point where I mean, his you can mention his the, literally the first scene in the film. Well, oh yeah, so like the first scene in the film is he has a boyfriend. Well, I assume it was a boyfriend. He wakes up in bed with a man, like that's all. And he comes back to two men, and they talk about queerness and, and music and their friends. He's massaging his foot. Oh, so this is talking about acting, though, because I remember one of my big things mm -hmm. was Matt Bomer. Um, it is Matt Bomer, right? Mm-hmm. Was and playing Michael his... Yuri. Yeah, Mike Yuri. But Matt Bomer was his his partner, his boyfriend, his boy... His, whatever it was, because it's not really super clear. There's that moment where he's massaging his foot. Bradley Cooper's massaging Matt Bomer's feet. And I could look at Matt and see the acting, right? Because Matt has experienced you know, queer love. And I was looking at Bradley and it wasn't hitting mm -hmm. because it felt very forced or contrived. And I let that slide, right? Just because that could be Leonard. Leonard could be just an awkward person. We're just getting into the movie. As we got into it more, when he met another gentleman at the party and Carrie's character essentially was like, you're being sloppy. You need to knock it off keep behind closed doors she knows and not only does she know she allows mm -hmm. him to have these relationships then a couple scenes later i think it's year, a couple years later too there's a, throughout the entire movie carrie's character is always off stage supporting him and loving him right mm -hmm. there's this one moment where they're at their the one you mentioned where they're watching the performance of his music and he holds the hand of the of the gentleman and she sees it, and you can tell she's upset. She leaves, puts all this shit out on the... Mm -hmm. In the hallway. Then, that following couple more scenes, you he's at a performance, and on the wings is that guy that he held the hand. Now, my issue is, is we never saw that development. We never got a... We never got a goodbye for Matt's character in the beginning. We never got a conversation. We never got intimacy. We never got any type of, like heart and love that we got with Carrie's character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it, it it felt like straight men 
trying to tell a story they had no clue how to tell. And what they did know was that discreet men hid stuff behind closed doors. So let's not go behind the door because it's him behind closed doors. Queer men back in the day partied and did coke off each other. It felt very one-dimensional. And it frustrated me because he loved Carrie Mulligan's character. Like he absolutely adored her. And that, and that, that can't be argued. But the moments he shared with men were just as important, just as much, more character building. It, there were so many opportunities. So it turned into not a maestro, not, not, not lettered story, just a love story. Mm -hmm. And so it completely, I was like, well, and if you're not going to hire a queer person to even try to explain the, the idea of being queer in this life and in that, in that time frame, then like you're doing a disservice because Bradley just wants to tell the story of a straight love story. And that's what comes across. Yeah. It comes across as very like, well, I don't know how to write it or I don't know what to say. So I'm just not going to. But it cheapens queerness and queer love. And it also just cheapens that man's legacy. Because you can't tell me that he let this gentleman stand on the side of the stage where his wife stood for years and not tell me that was an important person in his life. Right. The guy also was it met his kids. Mm-hmm. And hung out with his kids. So, like, that person was important, but, like, we never got... Yeah, we didn't know anything about him. We didn't know a single thing about him. And it was... It's the lack of representation in the production of this movie. Yeah. And I, and for me, that's, like, a major fault because it felt very... Now, Bohemian Rhapsody did an awful job at telling that story, that queerness story. But, like, here... He didn't shy away, but it just felt very much like I'm doing a great job. But in reality, it's like you weren't you weren't doing a great job because mm -hmm. what did I tell you about um, straight women in particular, but straight people watching this movie will see Leonard and even the boyfriend as a villain in that moment. But in the reality is they're all victims of the time period. Because she was an amazing woman to let him live that life and still be a father and still be a husband to her. But when you don't tell that other side of the story, the audience doesn't get to understand. So what they do is they immediately go to the defense for her. And in reality, it's, she is just as much as a, I don't want to say a villain, but a problem too, because she allows the behavior. You know what I mean? She, she, she let him do certain things. So it was just, when that started happening, it was... I'm going on a rant. Do you want a timer? No, I'm done now. You're doing great. I mean, it's just, it, it frustrated the piss out of me because this movie could have been top three of the season, but yeah. you don't get to show up with a queer character and say, we're going to, we're going to tell the story and not tell the story. Yeah. So can I, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm, let me read that review really yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did hit, it did hit home. This movie doesn't have anything to say about music. This music doesn't have anything to say about artistry. This movie doesn't have anything to say about relationships. This movie doesn't have anything to say about marriage. This movie doesn't have anything to say about parenting. This movie doesn't have anything to say about sexuality. This movie doesn't have anything to say. It's just imagery. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I can respect that because it's, it's particularly two actors acting the shit out of a movie that's designed and shot very, very fucking well. 
And it's two actors knocking out of the park where it's just written for only them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, fuck the kids. Fuck the friends. Fuck the relationships outside of theirs. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about what we saw with them together, it was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very complicated one. Um, I'm curious to see what this ends up doing awards-wise just because it is sort of... I would argue that this is like the most Oscar-baity film of the year, honestly. That's what everybody says on Letterboxd. Um, the reviews aren't great. Like, it's Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like at like an 80 or lower right now and the audience score is even lower. I think it's in the 60s. Um, I think it's something that like is very much made for the industry and not for like a wide audience um or which make, which which makes sense why it <coughs> wasn't bought for a wide theater release and only released on Netflix yeah. for wide streaming um so we'll be interested to see what happens i mean it's picking up a lot of nominations everywhere bradley's winning some critics wins um makeup and hairstyling was insane. Yes. Um, I definitely think it, that could possibly be a win. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's let's talk about that when we get into the shortlist, because we make up and hairstyling. Oh, yeah. We get, oh, yeah. Shortlist, you so. let me go way yeah, too yeah, long, yeah. but, like, I was passionate about it. And yeah. the more I think about it, it is valid. Like, don't give me a queer character, not give me a queer Yes, yeah, no, 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 no. And so. it's so valid, because the next movie we're going to talk about... Gave it is, to us. Let's go. Literally go, gave it. Go. All right. The Color Purple. A musical movie based off it's a, a musical it's a movie. based off of a book. No, um, it's a what is it? It's a movie musical based off of a musical. It's same. It's Mean Girls, based on a book. It's Mean Girls. No, book. Hold on. Book. No, sh- book. no, I got it. No, I got it. No, no, book. no. Hold on. Book, movie, musical, movie. But it's a movie musical. Uh huh. Musical. Mm-hmm. Movie. Yeah. Book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, what I'll say is. The big difference here is that the musical version of The Color Purple is very much based off of the book and not the Steven Spielberg film. Good. Um, It's much more tightly related to the novel. So, The Color Purple started off as an early 1980s novel by Alice Walker, then adapted into its first dramatic um, film by Steven Spielberg in the mid-1980s, Further adapted into a stage musical in 2005 on Broadway, um, was revived into a very acclaimed revival in 2015, which launched Cynthia Revo into stardom, and then was soon announced quickly after that revival that they were going to be making a movie musical version of the musical, and we finally have it. Yep. Debuting Christmas Day 2023. We saw it. We saw it. Nice I, I have been waiting for this movie... For over three years and I'm going I'm starting my villain era because next year at this time we have Wicked and then the next year we have Wicked Part 2 so I am now on my fucking era's tour of <laughs> musical movie musicals I've been waiting far too fucking long for and it's about to get crazy um so the color purple is a story about a woman named Celie Johnson mm-hmm. who 
essentially spends the story going from an abused, meek, disempowered skeleton of a woman and flourishing into somebody who owns every ounce of her confidence possible to triumph around the hate that has been bestowed upon her for so long. Yeah. Um, I won't go too far into a synopsis. If y'all don't know the color purple right now, just get fucking educated, please. Um, there's so much out there about it. So let's just go zero out of 100. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one. Ninety-six. Okay. We're close. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only because, like, we talked about last night, directing of it was rough at times, but it had such amazing moments that I was able to, like, keep it in the high 80s. Yeah. Um, let's start with directing, because okay. I think we should talk about the fact that this story always seems to have trouble figuring out how to be adapted. Ooh. Like Spielberg's let's let's look at this, honestly. Because if we look obviously the the novel was beyond acclaimed. Um I actually wanna see. I think she won a Yeah, she won the Pulitzer for fiction in nineteen eighty three. Alice Walker did. And then let's see, let's see. The original book won the Pulitzer for fiction. The original movie on Metacritic has a score of 78. Mm. Nominated for what? 11 Oscars has a meta score of 88. The, oh, nominated for 11 Oscars did not win a single one, very famously. Um, a lot of outrage. A lot of people like, how do you see this brilliant story and not give it all of its accolades? Now, you know, back in 1985, I think that's the Oscars year it was. There's a lot of different reasons as to why this primarily black-centered story struggles at a then very white-dominated and straight-dominated... Or still. So, yeah, you know, tra yeah, yeah. Traditionalist Academy... That's not going to jump at the opportunity to award a film like this. Or connect with it. Despite being despite being directed by Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah. But still a lot of flaws. Because yeah. the biggest flaw, perhaps, of the original film is that Steven Spielberg basically wrote out the queerness of the story in fear of even further repercussion coming at it. And yeah. it... In a way, it makes it makes sense only in the fact it's it's the 80s, the Reagan era, like the target already on the queer community at that time. Yeah. Um, you jump to the Broadway musical in 2005, 2006 Tony Awards. It's nominated, I don't know, I think for like 12, maybe 10. It was a lot. Like, it was nominated in like almost every category. Actress, two supporting actresses. Um, let's see. Ow, mother. Oh, wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven Tony Awards nominated for one one for Lashans for playing Sealy. Again, big thing of how 
it ran for a long time, and it's also how we got Fantasia Burino tied to this role because LaShawns did her contract, and then they were looking to, you know, at the time, stunt cast to keep it open and get mm. keep ticket sales going. Who better than the woman who just won American Idol the year before? Fantasia Burino, put her in, makes her Broadway debut. But you know, wins one Tony Award, and because a lot of people thought the stage production was very troubled in the sense that it overcomplicated the story and tried to add too much zazz and spectacle when the the bones of it is there and you don't need all that. Yeah. Then we get the 2015 revival and it feels like the first time where somebody's like, wow, somebody finally got it right. And on Broadway. Yeah. John Doyle's production and probably makes sense because it was a very minimalist production like very little set it's basically just got like a wood slat background and they use a bunch of fucking chairs for the set that's it oh and yeah, it, it fully yeah. it relies on the the story and the actors telling it to make the story sing yeah they found the perfect people to do it and people lost their fucking minds over this revival um i got to see it so my i, I want to talk about my history with the color purple a little bit so while you do that can i go to the bathroom yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um. So I, I'm listening because the bathroom's right here. Yes. So I found a video of Jennifer Hudson singing "I'm Here" at the Kennedy Center Honors. I forget who it was for. It must have been. It was for Oprah. I think it was when Oprah got her Kennedy Center Honors. Um, Oprah. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson sang "I'm Here" for her performance. And I was like, whoa, like, what is this from? And this is in the fall of 2015, my second year of college. And I find out that's from The Color Purple. And then I also, like, at, around that time is right when they had announced that this revival was coming. And I remember finding, like, the promo shot of Cynthia singing I'm Here. And because it was like, you know, Jennifer Hudson's in this revival. And so I thought, like, because Jennifer Hudson's saying I'm here at the Kennedy Center that she was going to be playing Seely, And then so when I found out she wasn't, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not interested in this. But then I was like, oh, wait, let me listen to this. And then I saw Cynthia singing this, <laughs> singing I'm here in this press shot. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God, who is this? So as a, the theater nerd I am, I went and found the original Broadway cast recording from 2005, listened to that nonstop, got the score buried into my brain, decided I was going to do everything I could to see that fucking revival um, started listening to the revival nonstop when it came out. And then my friend, dear friend of mine, Natalie, her and I went and saw it in June of 2016. Um, and lost our fucking minds. Um, Cynthia Revo literally shredded the roof off of the Bernard Jacobs theater. Um, a true star is born moment because that is how she... Literally got launched in everything that she did afterwards. Um, Danielle Brooks was in that production as Sophia. And then we had Heather Headley as um, Shugavery. Jennifer Hudson had left by that point. But I fell in love with the story there. Well, actually, so before I saw the revival, that Christmas before in 2015, um, our dad surprised us and took us to Sarasota, Florida for Christmas. And I bought two books at the bookstore in Florida before we went to the condo. I bought Fun Home and I bought The Color Purple. Like musical books? No. 
or the fun the home, real the, the fun novel. home, the fun home graphic novel, and the, the novel of the color purple. <coughs> wow. And I read both of those on that vacation. Wow! And had my mind just torn apart by two so differently, dr like drastically different, devastating stories of queerness. Yeah, you know. Um, so read the book, got to see the musical, already knowing all the music. I still, to this day, have never watched the entire original movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it so many different times that I've probably, in all, seen just about all of it when you piece it together. Mm -hmm. Never sat down and watched the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so, when they announced that this, this movie was coming, I was like, holy shit. And, you know, immediately everyone's thought is, who's going who's gonna to be in it? And I think it was Corey Hawkins as Harpo that got announced first. And then, like, they did a big announcement with Danielle and um, Fantasia and I think Taraji as well. Taraji might have been later, I don't remember. But, you know, it was like this new director who was known for like directing music and like had directed Black is King for Beyonce and like had this very like music driven visionary mind bringing in these actresses who, you know, you have Danielle Brooks who literally was Tony nominated for the role on Broadway. You have Taraji who like, people don't know for being a musical actress and then you have Fantasia who's never been in a in a feature film before so everyone's like oh my god like what what's this gonna be and it did not disappoint no whatsoever it did not um I went on a very long rant so to balance it out we needed to balance it out let's talk about let's start with direction because I want to I want to talk about the it's the weakest part the very very much the weak and maybe like really the only weak part honestly like, yeah, because I think it's it's what, oh, I can read my letterbox review. Read it. Yeah. Read okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, hold on. Oh, it's a full moon tonight. Oh, it is tonight. Remember I looked the other night and I was like, it's coming close. <clears throat> Once again, please don't judge me. I have dyslexia and ADD. I'll fuck it up. A fantastic adaptation of the Blood Musical. That's a great opening line, bitch. You like that? A fantastic adaptation of the Blood Musical. That was good. This incredibly human story will have everyone rooting for the for the women on screen, especially Fantasia's Celie. The performance that how do you say her last name? Brino. Mm -hmm. Brino gives will have you feeling every feeling this actress is trying to portray on a level you will not understand. Her quiet approach to the empathetic character of Celie is breathtaking. Backing her up is Taraji P. Henson and Danielle Brooks playing Shogun and Sophia, respectively. This ensemble is untouchable in the film game this year. The fantastic queer love story in this beautiful film is something Maestro should have took notes from. The direction needed some work when it came to some lighting and dialogue scenes. Other than that, this is a story every person should watch because everybody will see themselves on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. And have a great night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so with the directing, um, Blitz, Blitz Bezwille, I think, has a strong vision in how to frame a large number of people into a shot. That's where it looked yeah. good. Because all the big musical numbers, for the most part, looked really good. Like, Push the Button was insane. The opening was great. Like, you know, it was great energy and, like, gave what yeah. you needed to for the opening of a musical. Push the Button was great. Hell no, we'll talk about when we talk about Danielle. Um, but like um, the guy, the working song mm -hmm. was really good. Um, yeah, it was. Miss Healy's pants was great. Like you know, a lot, a lot of it was so good. When the more, 
the more components there were, the better it was. But the moments when it was intimacy between yes. characters, dialogue between characters, is where it faltered. This motherfucker, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it's his fault. I don't know what happens, but like the lighting irritated the piss out of me. Awful lighting. There's a, there's the moment when Taraji sings "Push the Button" in a you know a, a literally a speakeasy in a swamp. Mm -hmm. Yes, light's gonna be a little off. There's moments where I could not see her face because she had a feather hat on, and I was so pissed because Taraji was eating it up the whole song. And I really and I hated it because, yes, I get where they're at, but at the same time, this is a musical, and this is I would essentially this is her song of the of the music of the musical. You know what I mean? So I needed her to be front and center, multiple lights, and I just felt like, did you look at this and say, oh, I can't see half her face. This is great. And it, it, this is what's so. This is what's wild, right? So. I'm mad that this was like a critique I'd heard early on because. I was looking for it and I noticed it is that for a movie with so many dark skinned people, you cannot see their fucking face in so much of yeah. it. Yeah. There are so many shots where you cannot see a single facial feature and it's like, what are we doing? Cause it's like, is it a directorial choice or is it just like the lighting and something I thought of today too. Neglect. Yeah. Cause like I thought today too, was it a disconnect where because I kept seeing the shot of Fantasia in the red, like, when they do the reveal during Missy's mm -hmm. pants. And I'm like, did they prioritize seeing the color of all the costumes over uh, being able to see the people themselves? Like, did, yeah. they, did they light it to make the costume shine, but then, like, you completely lost your dark-skinned actors in that, you know? Well, it felt, it, it felt as if they were trying to keep it true to whatever, um, you know, decade this was in. But, like, with that being said, it was a detriment to like seeing the actors yeah and it wasn't an excuse to like oh we didn't we're not gonna light this as grandly because you know um miss seeley's shop won't have overhead lighting and all that but it's like no but in this moment it's not I, in this moment there's a woman singing about pants almost you yeah. know what i mean it's a musical we're suspend you suspended reality with a bathtub on a record player with a beautiful love song why couldn't you give a little pizzazz in those other moments it's funny that you bring up that moment too because literally where is it here it is it's the it's the shot of them in miss Ely's pants you cannot fucking see daniel you can't see yeah whatsoever in that shot yeah and like that is crazy to me and now okay so that being said we will dive into yeah well okay so 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 sorry real quick so dan um Lausen was the cinematographer AKA the man who was a cinematographer for The Shape of Water and Nightmare Alley. So the man knows how to, he knows how to frame lie. a gorgeous shot. Can I ask this without. I don't think about both those movies. As what? What do you mean? The people that are in them. I think, because here's the thing they, though both of those movies have very, I think, similar lighting texture. They do. It's But it's mostly white people in the cast. I was. Well, is the, is, is the cinematographer white? Yes. Yeah, so like yeah. that. I think it's just a full disconnect, and I think, like, unfortunately, maybe they weren't checking it in the moment, and, like, once they got the post-production, it could have been, like, an oh, shit, like, well, no, you know, can't no. do anything about it now, you know? Like, no, that's, no, I mean, if that's the case, then 
shame the director and that kid. like no i would fully be like no this was this is not the vision let's try to light this up let's try to change the, yeah the, it, that no there's, there's like, no it, way no there's no way directing that scene because it wasn't lighting that was messing them up it was the lack of lighting so whatever the director was seeing on his monitor was that danielle's face being cut by a shadow that's yeah. not done in like post-production no, 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 I know, uh, no, but what I'm saying is, like, they don't notice it until it gets to post-production, and no, they're like, well, we already shot the whole thing, no, we, can't, but, we can't redo it. But that's why know? I put it back on to directing. Yeah. Like, what, I, what I'm saying is, in that director's chair, in that scene, there is a clear shadow that cuts Danielle's face. Mm -hmm. That's on set. I agree, but it, it, it could be a thing that he's such a novice director that he wasn't looking for that I know, that's on what, set. I, know. Yeah, I get that, that's why I'm saying he deserves to get that flack. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what that's I mean, what yeah, 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 so, anyway, um, biggest, that, biggest gripe there, and then directing too, I felt it from the very beginning that, I talked about, like, how in Maestro, I loved how they let these kind of intense and awkward and intimate moments breathe a lot, I felt like I had no time to breathe at all during this movie, which is crazy, because it was two and a half hours, but yeah, you said the beginning was just like dun, 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 yeah, dun, you know, because like the scenes I have seen of the original movie, you know, like Celie having the second baby and having it taken away, and then the moment of her like moving in with Mister, and then Nettie coming there, and then Nettie taken away. Like, I think maybe in and a, their goodbye, I, their goodbye was a second, right? Yeah. Like, I think in in the Spielberg film, I'd say it's like almost melodramatic and like drawn out to like be very depressing. But in the musical movie version, like, I think at least in the musical, you really felt it a lot too. But in this, like, it felt so fast and quick edited that, like, you didn't get time to process, in a sense, what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that was overall a critique I have about the directing tied with the editing is that maybe, like, with Blitz, you know, being someone who's all about these fast action paced pieces yeah just like didn't know how to let some of these like more intimate moments breathe and be like you know even with you know some of those gorgeous moments like with Celie's imagination which we'll talk actually let's talk about this from a direction standpoint because I loved this from a direction standpoint that all of these musical moments for Celie are like her fantasy world to escape to yeah and the first one being her younger version when she sees her baby um, having that song in the in the woods and everything, and then she gets the song on the record player with first the tub seeing Shug when yeah. she sees Shug for the first time, and then when they kiss at the cinema, she has that grand like theater. You know, those were also beautiful, but it felt like it was almost wasted because it's like, oh my god, how much time, money, and effort did you spend to build this set in this moment? For us to only get like thirty seconds of it, okay, you know, yeah, fair, that's fair. Like where, yeah, it, it just. Should I talk about my fourth image? Yeah. So, as a prof non-professional director myself, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Can I, we can we talk about? I, I know what you're talking. About. Can we talk about that later? Because okay. it'll just it'll just fit a lot better at the end. Okay. Yeah. Um. You gotta so stay yeah. tuned for another twenty. So again, so I think he had such good visionary ideas, but just like wanted to get through them way too quickly. And yeah. I understand the pressure; like it's a lot of story to tell in a musical where you're also adding music 
that adds time to something. And again, you're already at two and a half hours. I don't know what you do to make those things breathe more where you, you, cause you know, you're at the point where you have to start cutting shit, but yeah, you know, um, but acting, let's go in the acting. Let's go in the acting. Cause this film is already and will succeed because of the actors who are in it. Yeah. 100%. Um, top to bottom, just like blown away by everybody. Um, Corey Hawkins is Harpo. I was so excited to see him really getting like a big feature film moment for him to shine. Cause he's such a brilliant actor. Um, it pairs so well with the fact that him and Danielle Brooks were like very good friends at Juilliard and then did like their test reading together and got to play the role together. It really just like brought that chemistry that is so needed for those two characters. Yeah. Um, Coleman Domingo, who we talked about already, playing somebody who couldn't be more the different. Range, the range on that motherfucker. Yeah, the, yeah. the range Doing of that. Rustin. We watched Zola, Zola for the first time this year, and yeah, Coleman Domingo's range is just unfucking matched completely. Um, brilliant as Mister. Let's talk about Mister a little bit, actually, um, because I think this adaptation tried the most to give him the most complete arc, character arc. Yeah. Um, I think Spielberg's film by villainizes the black men in the story by far in order to make the women the hero, and it feels like a little bit of a cop-out. I think the, the book and the musical try to add a little bit of nuance to it. Like in the musical, Mr. gets a song called Miss Seeley's Curse, where he talks about how... That's where he explains that his father made him the piece of shit he was. Yeah. And he didn't know how to break the generational generational cycle. Um, but this movie version adds a lot of new shit. It does, That yeah. gives him a lot of background. Yeah. And, it, and, and I'm somebody, as a storyteller, don't get me wrong, I love a villain. Redemption. You were skeptical. When I first brought it up to you, you I said, mean, I, don't want I, might, I might hate this, just so you know. I don't want that. Because I love a, I don't get me wrong, I love a, a villain redemption. I love an understanding of a villain, but a villain can be like people can sit in the villain arc and just some people that are just bad. Mm -hmm. And I don't and there and there's things that have happened to them, yes. But we all have choices every day. We all make choices on good and evil. Okay, Glinda, constantly. You're literally doing Glinda's fucking speech for. I've never seen. Right I've never <laughs> seen. Literally, you are. I've never seen it before. <laughs> But like we oh, we make those we do yeah and it, just in spirituality you make those choices when, mm -hmm. you, when you when you have a white lie or when you take one thing with a spider but like we all have those choices every day and those build us as characters but there's people that choose that mm -hmm. and and I feel like what in color purple it it did build the women up and it really showed the depiction of black women in that time now what they did with this movie is they still kept a villain which was his father. But they showed that they showed like the 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 denigration of the three, which mm -hmm. was his father, Mister, and then Harpo. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I would have changed the ending slightly when it came to his character because Mister did some fucked shit, and and I'm not sure I would invite him to my table. But that's just me as a person, and mm -hmm. Celie is a far better person than any of us on the yeah. planet. Honestly. So, <laughs> with that being said, it made sense to the story. You know, he. Yeah was challenged by so many women during the movie, but also at the same time, like, yeah, physical stuff happened to him, the curse of Miss Seeley, but it was just also, there was moments where you could just tell he was like, this isn't working for me anymore. 
Like, there's nothing I have anymore. My my son it doesn't want it. You know what I'm saying? So it made sense for the sh for the movie, and I I liked it. And I thought um, Coleman did an amazing job. Yeah, and it was the thing. Like what I heard was, I think he says it in an interview that he's like, "Oh, our baby's sleeping." I think it's I heard Coleman say it in an interview that he basically when he got contacted about doing this movie, he said, "I'm not I'm not playing Mister if." He's what Spielberg made him, basically. You know, like, yeah. I'm not playing the villain who just remains the villain for the whole time. And, you know, they had made a commitment, and it wasn't that him saying that told made them do it. I think they already had the idea that we, they were like, we're gonna... Every character in this story deserves layers because Alice Walker gave every character in this story layers in her book. Yeah. And... He is just so fantastic. Good. He, here's the thing, too, because... Danny Glover plays Mr. in the original movie. A was the 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 top build star of the movie because mm -hmm. for everyone else was a newcomer, Oprah yeah. and uh, uh, Whoopi included. Um and Danny Glover for the most part is just like terrifying. But Coleman gets some moments of like humor. Yeah. Well it's the I will say in when that came out, it was a it's so wild to think America is so young, but, like, each decade has such a distinct difference in shit. Oh, totally, yeah, Even yeah. when that came out... In 1985, know, yeah. There were still, you know, a lot of... A lot of disenfranchised, like, minorities are struggling. Like, now that we're in 2023, we're able to look at that and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You are crazy. Because it's just yeah. the difference. So it was... It was laughable in the sense of, like... Because in our side today... That yeah. certain things that he did wouldn't fly anymore. Right. So it does. It does bring more of a That's lightness fair. to That's it. That's fair. Um, Although that scene where he made the Shooks breakfast was hysterical. It was. Yeah, and that was it's so, so funny. And, it, and they do almost copy that in the in the original movie, and it's so, like, stressful. But it is kind of funny. It, yeah. Yeah, because even like, Celie's like... Partly, you well, it's like joke, the, the stove is literally on fire. Yeah, and he just looks at her and he goes, "Handle it." Yeah. Let's go to the women. Let's go because because the gentleman that played Harpo was phenomenal. Yeah, but I think the, the the leading force behind this is the women. Yeah, like and you're, the, let's talk about the women that aren't even on screen that often. You have like Sierra, Sierra, um, who, by the way, this I gotta I gotta applaud. Miss O and the producing team for marketing this fucking movie like Sierra was gonna be on that screen for more yeah. than 30 seconds because she, she fully for 30 seconds. She, she, her call sheet was for two hours on the last day of the shooting. Last day shooting yeah. like, there's no way she was needed for more she gave it than half a day. Yeah. But people fully walked into that movie thinking they were getting like a Sierra feature yeah. in this fucking movie. Even though but, the whole time I'm like, where's he? Yeah. She's but I'm she also was great. Like, she was in that movie, I think, as long as I needed her to be. Yeah. Her was great. Her was wonderful. Her was playing Squeak. Oh my god. Or, and you for, I forget how oh. young she is, because I looked up how... She's like 25. Yeah. And won her Oscar when she was like 22. Like... Yeah. And so... And in this movie, she looks her age, but like outside of... In normal wor world, she looks so much older Ooh. just because she plays like such... Like an elderly presence, kind of. Yeah. Um... A wise presence, I should say. Yeah. But yeah, and she was the, a great ad. The two youngs. Oh, so Felicia Mpassi 
what a little star in the making. Playing young Seely. Yes, man. She just you. I I was I, so my heart was so full because like he looked at me during her number that they wrote in for the show. It's only the in movie. this movie. Yes, they wrote that number for her. And he looks at me, he goes, and I had no idea what he was going to say, but he just goes, she's really good. I was like, oh my God, I agree. It wasn't just the singing, it was the acting. And what I say about the acting is because you also, seeing her compared to Fantasia, they must have talked. Because the way she held her mouth when she sang, the way she acted, I was like. It is, it's crazy. They felt, well, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. She auditioned to play Main Seely. How old is she? I I don't know, but she fully auditioned to play me. Here's the thing too: Fantasia is under forty. I know. I like. I find that I kind of find that out every week. Is and it because it's American Idol? Connected? It is, but it's yeah. it's also she won American Idol when she's twenty years old. So like, yeah, she's still under forty. Yeah. But especially after seeing her in this, I'm still like, fuck, she's under forty. That yeah. is so weird to me. But she was great. Young. Felicia was great. Um, I, I hope she has a big career ahead of her for sure after this. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny too because even in some of the press photos, like her red carpet photo, people think she's Fantasia. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it is uncanny in a few spots in the movie for sure. Um, Halle Bailey, just the fucking breakout star of the year. She has such a... She has also what I enjoy an actress. If there's a... I love big. I love big and camp and and big choices. Hallie is effortlessly the ingenue president, like not president, present in every scene she's in. Mm-hmm. And it, I want to say it feels like a a, a a very raw talent. There's actors that have to get into a character, sit into it, and feel it. I feel like yeah. Hallie is somebody who just taps into it naturally. She is and so she, her voice is also. She Good is points. so she's so effortlessly <laughs> breaking the box open. Okay. Um she's so effortlessly the ingenue. And she can always which, which she also, can always be the ingenue because you will always like be unable to take your eyes off her, which makes Felicia even more impressive because and she talks about in the interviews, she was so nervous she was like, I gotta do scene work with Halle Bailey. I have to Ariel? You know, and yeah. but then you watch and you're like, baby, like you you you're did it, stars. yeah. You're yeah, like yeah, and I can't wait to see what Hallie does because I'd also love to see her get out of that ingenue and also do gritty and dark and all that. Right now, she her her For career sure. is right now. Chloe's doing it. Yeah, Chloe's got it right now. <laughs> it's but, a new dawn. It's, it's a new day. Yeah. Um. So going to the main going to the main cast. Um. um yeah. So we've got Taraji P Henson, Shagavery. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably, I, I know for me, was, and not even nervous, it was like a, the most eager to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Because I'm like, I know she can bring the sex appeal, but how can she bring that tied to the music characteristic of it? And it's, I don't, it, it's so weird to think about that too, because you think about even like Cookie Lion, like she proved in Empire that like, she can be the the fucking lioness. She can be the king of music. You know, that's what she was in Empire. But how can she sell herself as, as a musician? And I was fully sold on it. Yeah, she um, was. It's so... She was breathtaking. It, yeah. It was, it was original. It felt real. It 
She, I do forget that she can sing because I don't know her from that. I just know her like, you know, the Curious Face. She sang the Oscars, and... which I just found out like today. For Hustle and Flow? Uh, I think so. Like, a lo obviously a long time ago. But even that was great. And then I will say Danielle and Fantasia had to step up because they were able to play these characters prior. Yes. Would you say? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, 100%. They, they, she was in Four Brothers. Oh, it's wild, too. I, I saw this a couple weeks ago and I forgot. Her name in Hustle and Flow was Shug. Oh, it was. It definitely was. Yeah, I think she sang... Yeah, she sang at the Oscars. She sang the song that won the original song Oscar that year. I wonder if I um, watched that one. Anyways, yeah, so... Effortless, Danielle was... As you said, amazing. Yeah, Danielle Brooks, like, I, because I, I had been a Orange is the New Black fan before I saw the Color Purple Revival, so I was already excited that Danielle Brooks, who plays Tasty Johnson, Johnson, Jefferson. I don't know their last name. It's one of it's either. Anyway, um... Was already so excited to see her, and when I, like, when I tell you she entered, and, like, it was a moment, one of those rare moments where, like, you are pinned to your seat by the power mm -hmm. of it, and it was when she comes on stage to say, you told Harpo to beat me, like, it she, the, the power on it, it, like, fully just blew you away. And it, um, it, 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 she did the same thing on screen. And. With that same line. Yeah. And in the, on the stage, you know. I described her as, like, a steer. Like, she was fully, like, a full-grown steer will kick you in the face, like, and has just so much power and, like, you're so curious but intimidated at the same time and, like, just yeah. just so much power behind. She was fucking incredible. And then, I think, too, I was very excited because in the stage version with the final, not the final dinner scene, but, like, the the, the Easter dinner scene, the famous one, it's after, you know, Sophia... Alright, let's just talk about this overall. So, Sophia's arc, you know, she is too silly what power through force means to a woman. Shogun's power through sex, Sophia's power through force. Right? So, do you think that's, like, accurate to say? Yeah, I am. I, I have my opinion on how they're depicted. Yeah, that matches. Um, and... Throughout it... It becomes clear that Sophia is basically the patriarch of her marriage and of her family. Loses her marriage for a while. Is with her ex-husband, her new husband at some point in town. Mouths off to a white woman, the wife of the mayor. And ends up trying to beat the sh beating the shit out of the mayor and gets locked up in jail. And then, you know, her arc becomes she gets released and like it's like all of her power has fully just been stolen from her. And in the, I don't know if this happens in the original movie, but I know at least like in the, in the revival musical, it's the moment at the Easter dinner where Celie pops off on Mr. It's like seeing her finally find her confidence, like puts that power back into her. And she just starts this like low guttural laugh. Mm -hmm. And I remember on stage, I wasn't expecting it. And it was the funniest and like just most like in trancing thing ever yeah to see her go because like you see her come out and she's like just battered and like it's the same in the film and then so i was excited to yeah. like be like are they gonna just do the same thing in the film they did and it worked and it was so funny and like added so many layers to that scene and like 
gave her such a good kind of send off towards the end of it because at that by the end of the dinner she's like things are gonna be changing around here yeah, yeah. you know and it's like Sophia's back and like which is literally what she see, says in Miss Ely's pants too when she's like Sophia's back and I'm here to stay um yeah so Danielle did not disappoint hell no disappointed me from a directorial standpoint yeah more so from than from her yeah because I think they just tried to do too much with it yeah and harmonized on it and stuff and I'm like what the fuck is going on here but um she she gave it her all Fantasia that um Fantasia broke my heart I like kept almost crying today thinking about her performance because Mm -hmm. it's like the most humanizing thing I think I've ever seen on screen yeah um you know Fantasia has such a complicated history with this show and this role where she took the Broadway gig right after American Idol. She had never seen a, a production of a theater show outside of her high school in North Carolina. And then all of a sudden is thrust onto a Broadway stage and is not a trained actress. So doesn't learn how to shed the trauma off when you leave the stage door. Mm-hmm. And so just carried that burden of Celie with her for that entire time that she played her. Yeah, so she was trying you know, anxious to do it again. Let alone the fact that she was in her early 20s, not knowing yet as an adult how to cope with trauma that she dealt with as a child, mm-hmm. dealing with abuse as an adult that mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to cope with yet. And so, you know, really, truly in every way being eaten alive by this role. Yeah. Because it's, it's the amalgamation of like everything that's killing her in real life. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the big famous story right now is how she basically kind of said no when they first reached out, not no, but like, I, I don't know if I can do it because it took everything out of me when I did it last time. Yeah. But then, you know, she talked to the director and like Scott Sanders who produced the original musical and then came in to do the movie musical as well. And they were so gracious with her about how clear they were that they wanted her version of Celie to be represented. And she was able to find within herself that she has grown so much as an adult and as a human that she now knows how to leave that on the studio stage. Yeah, and she brought it to the movie. Yeah, and you know, from the first moment you see her, when it pans from Felicia's Celie in the house. And, you know, I like, I like this direction choice, by the way, where they showed the seasons and everything that did like the full panorama. Yeah. And then grown Celie comes in with Fantasia. Um, from then through the very end, you're just so fascinated and want to be her friend, want to be protecting her, want to be protected by her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like a, a this is a gorgeous lyric that I wish was in this version in the song, the color purple in the musical should calls her a little bird. And I think that's so well represented of what Celie is. Mm. And I think like, cause I felt like I wanted to be like under her wing. Cause I knew if I were like under Celie's wing, I'd be safe. You yeah. Know? And everything about her humanity in it was just outstanding. Yeah. And 
there's been so much talk about, and I'm already seeing on TikTok and stuff, you know, people are posting Cynthia Riva's versions of I'm Here and everything on TikTok. Like, why couldn't we get this? And, you know, I was curious going in to see, like, you know, would Cynthia be a good fit? And I don't think she would have been. I think this was perfect casting. I think Cynthia, not in a bad way, is too big for her britches now in that she would have taken up way too much space in yeah. in this movie than what's required for it. And I think Fantasia was absolutely the perfect choice. Yeah. And she broke she broke she fully broke my heart and put it back together. Mm -hmm. And that's the sign of like a, a brilliant actress, honestly. Yeah. And the yeah. And the love story was really well taken care of. Yeah. You know should we talk about the audience a little bit? Yeah, you want to? Um we were in a packed house. When I looked, like, um, a couple hours beforehand, every seat was sold except for one. And... The one next to you. It was that one, but then there was one in the front. Anyway, but, you know, pretty much sold out theater. And... We were both very taken aback by... It was such a sad moment because we were both clearly so excited when Suge and Seely had that full kiss in the theater moment, mm -hmm. I was excited because I was waiting, like, how, how deep, Where, how, how, far they're gonna go. how deep are they going to yeah. go? And for you, I knew you were excited because you were like, I didn't know this was a queer story yeah. to this extent, you know? And immediately we hear, and like moans and like, so I say, oh, she's gay as hell. Like it was, and like, somebody's got to beat Taraji's ass. Like I heard somebody yeah. say that, you know, like, and it's like, holy, whoa. Yeah. It was jarring, you know? Just to like fully be because it was done be called so out well. without being called out. Yeah, it, but it was it, it, what sucked is that it was so beautifully done. And the, talking about talking about the art of it, it was. Yes, yeah. you know you're rooting for Seely this for a lot of this movie, and you know Seely's somebody who is not experienced love when it comes to sex and sexuality. She's been used and abused and called ugly nonstop. For somebody to see her as a as a human and see her beauty. And to embrace her, as Suge did, they did it in a dream sequence that made so much sense. Mm -hmm. And they were in a movie theater together, but even then, you know as an audience member that that's what was happening in her head. And it just, it made a lot, it, it transitioned to her in the bed with her, which of course implies a great night. It was like, it was a series of like gasps because, you know, as they're leaning in for the kiss... I'm already thinking in my head, they're going to cut away before their lips meet. Yeah. They, they don't. They the show lips their lips meet, yeah. meet. Then they cut to them fully kissing on the seats. And I'm like, <gasps> double gasp. Like, not only the kissing, they're kissing in real life. In public. And then boom to the bed. And they're both, and it's like triple gasp. Like, was, they're yeah. in bed together. Like, you know. But it was, it was, it was well done. It was respected. It was taken care of. And it made sense to the story. And here's the thing. The color purple compared to the other two. It's not a real, it's not real, it's not, it's, 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 it's a fictional it's fiction, story. yeah. But they were able to build a character and show what it meant for her to be loved. And I was like, these two other literally had people that were real and did those type of... In the other movies, you mean? Yeah, 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 Rusted and Maestro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just so beautifully done, like, hats off to Fantasia and Taraji for showing that. And yeah. It was, it, it took my breath away. And, you know, what I love about this movie so much, personally, is that it's... It, I think in its core, 
it is such a human story. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. And I don't want to discredit what it does for the culture and the black community. It, it really is a human. Anybody could watch it and feel for yeah. Celie, no matter what. And the ride that Fantasia takes you on is so quiet as Celie is, but it's so powerful. You know, when we were at dinner, I mentioned that, you know, I think this is a love story to women and black women in particular and the facets that a lot of the characters sat in are ways that everybody can be brave and powerful, but particularly like black women. It was, you know, whether it was um, young Nettie's intelligence, you know, she was able to go toe to toe with Mr. and call him out on his bullshit, or it's Sophia's um, sternness and way to, and standing up for herself and, and, and really forcibly taking space in rooms or it's Suge's sexuality and her music and how she you know gets people to to listen to her all but also it's you know I thought about one too her mother's talent through sewing oh yeah yeah so yeah mm -hmm. of service to others mm -hmm. and and honing's one craft but like Celie's which is I think the most powerful one you know all of the all the other ones were essentially ways to really cut down the other people around them. What I mean by that is like, you know, bringing sexuality or bringing assertiveness or bringing intelligence to the men in their lives is a, a direct like match. Whereas Celie's character is purely the powerful empathetic. She mm -hmm. is a nurturer. Her resilience is what is what makes her a strong character. You know, her going to the jailhouse with Sophia. It was such a beautiful... Because this whole time, they're telling her, you need to fight. You need to stand up. You need to fight. And it's just not Celie's character. She does in a moment where she has too much. I think anybody will be pushed to that limit. But it's just not her nature. And there's that moment where Sophia recognizes... And that's the one you were talking about with the laugh. Sophia recognizes, you know, you gave me strength when you came every week. To check on me mm -hmm. and feed me and what have you, mm -hmm. and but it wasn't allowed. It wasn't. It wasn't the other ways of showing up. It was a quiet way, but it was able to still be just as valid as you know Nettie's intelligence, Shug's sexuality, or Sophia's. Bitch, you know, you know what I mean. Power. So Celie, it was so cool. Celie Johnson is a cancer. Yeah, it was. Fuck, just, I wish we knew because they talk. They have her birthday in the movie. I wish we knew what it was. It, it was so cool because it was. It was like all these women are so dynamic. Yeah, they, and then the way they show up for each other is. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to talk about. I want to talk about. So, I, okay, you know what? Let's let's talk about awards. This will help. Yeah, we'll talk about the. Well, we're talking about awards. We're not going to do the short list. We're going to do. We're going to shoot that tomorrow. Okay. It'll be so quick. It's going to be like five minutes. No, it's not. It will. No. It's not that long. No. It's not that We're long. going to Because I, I want to do something else with it, so. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you. Okay. Um, okay, so the awards. Awards. Hold so, on. Talk about the main award. It's just Fantasia. For us, leaving. Like, we were like, she needs the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I she mean, I. So, the over. With the color purple, it's been struggling a lot. In the sense that, like, it, it's gotten no critics recognition so far. Mm -hmm. Um. Globes, it missed comedy or musical picture out of six movies, which is fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. um, 
Fantasia and Danielle got in, which is great. Um, and then Critics' Choice, it got, uh, it got five. It got Picture, which, thank God, that was, like, a saving grace. Picture, Actor, Supporting Actress, or Actress, Supporting Actress, Acting Ensemble. Did it get song or did it get hair and makeup? I got hair and makeup at Critics' Choice. So, it's struggling. It's scary. Yeah. For a movie of this caliber, it should be scoring a lot higher so at a just, lot of these things. It's just up in the air, really. It really is. And But here's the thing, <laughs> and this is what everyone's talking about with regards to the Oscars, you know. People are like, it doesn't matter that it's coming out Christmas Day. Critics have seen it, and the industry's seen it. If they don't like it, they don't fucking like it. But here's the thing, like, it... Today, they talked about, it nearly broke the box office record for Christmas Day. It is now second place behind Sherlock Holmes for the biggest Christmas Day opening mm -hmm. ever. It, it like, doubled what its projections were for box office opening. It has an 80, 89 on Rotten Tomatoes, critics-wise, with a 94, let's see, 80... 89 on the tomato meter with a 94 audience score. An A on CineScore. Like, it is fucking... And this is what people talked about. They were like, if it starts dominating at the box office, that can carry to it defying the odds yeah. to perform well at the Oscars. And I think that's what's happening, and I really hope that's what's happening. Yeah, I need to see some of the actors. In, in, like, you don't need to get... Like, like we talked... We tore apart, like, writing and... Um, no, it's... This, I mean, not... I mean, directing and, and cinematography and all that, but I think the actors really showed up. And, yeah, and, like, that's the thing where I don't think that... This won't do as well below the line as a musical should. Yeah. Because it should be an easy pick in so many below... Like, cinematography, production design, hair, makeup, costume. Like, it should sound. Yeah. But... I'll mention shortlist. It was not on the shortlist for sound. It is not on the shortlist for no, hair and makeup. Don't give it away. We're gonna do this. So production design, I think, still has a chance. Original song is with Halle Bailey's "Keep It Moving." I really hope that makes it in because I thought that was a wonderful song that pushed the story along. Yeah, which is the purpose of that fucking award. Um, but I think to me, I think I, I think what's wait. gonna carry it is its actors, like actor and picture, and that's it. Yeah, and. SAG Ensemble is going to be fucking wild. It's because... It's one of the best ensembles. People need to remember what SAG... What the word ensemble means. Because everyone's it's like... Not the, it's not the most famous people in the movie. No, it's, and it's not the biggest cast in the most critically acclaimed film of the year. It is how the group of people defined within that ensemble interact with each other. Thank you. Because be people. people are like, why the fuck do you have the holdovers as a nominee? Because those three people carry the entire movie yeah. together. Along with Carrie Preston. And it's like it's about how those characters and actors interact with each other and move the move the story along. Ensemble's gonna be cutthroat this year. It is. It's cause it's a huge year. Cause like Barbie does a great job with Barbie, it. Yeah, Saltburn. Saltburn does a great job with it. I don't argue. Cast. I don't argue Amazing that. Ensemble. Everyone's got Oppenheimer number one. I don't know why don't because know why. they hardly interact with each other. And only they hardly, one. They. It's like you. You see the list of people who inter, who are nominated, and it's like they don't interact with each other. Yeah, wild. All together, you know. Killers of Flower Moon, same thing. And everyone's like, "Well, the natives who are in it do so well. Great. Literally, none of them are are listed for the nominations list. Yeah. It's all the big screen stars." I can't wait. I cannot wait for this it. fucking movie. That the Easter dinner scene alone, which is you know from the old movie, one of the most famous 
fucking cinema scenes ever. Yeah. You put every single one of them at that dinner table, and they just fucking went at it. Yeah, it was great. And that alone, I'm like, that's that's a SAG ensemble, like, winner right there. I just, you know? I, I literally can't wait for her. And I think actors will look at Fantasia, Danielle, Taraji, Coleman, and be like, go, 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 go. And, like, that'll be, people will go Oscar nominations be like, holy shit. Yeah. It might be coming. Because the Globes are next week. Globes are next week. So we're going to get into that, too. Yeah. It's going to so. be... It's going to be, Color Purple is just very scary and on the edge of a yeah. lot of shit right With now. An amazing so. movie. An amazing movie. Um, okay, so yeah. we are going to skip the shortlist for today. Yes, we're going to, because I have an idea, I want to do something a little fun with it. Okay. We are passionate tonight. Very long episode. We had very, pa you know, of course, the queer movies we're the most passionate about. I mean, yeah, we, um... We had some legs to stand on there. By the way, when it comes to queerness in the color purple, this is how I can tell the majority of the population when they think of the color purple, it is immediately the Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because he erased most of the queerness out of the story. You can argue reasonably because it was the Reagan era in the 80s and probably would have gotten shot down even harder than it already was. Yeah. But, but the read, book... read the fucking book. And Alice Walker literally walks you through how to stimulate the clitoris by referring to it as a button. Pushed a button was on a song title pulled out of thin air. No. It was literally about pushing. The clit. The clit. <laughs> Sugar Avery <laughs> teaches Celia how to find the clit by referring to it as a button. And that's when the greatest queer love story of the year was born. Although Period. All of Us Are Strangers is. Alright, we gotta go. Because we, we'll dive into that too. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Very long episode, but hope you enjoy on your commutes. Love you. Love. Oh, we're commuting.